I don't know, what else would you call, you know, so many people celebrate, say, call it different things, you know. And today, um, unfortunately, the churches are closed, and you, you only can listen through, like, online or, um, like, videos. Maybe some churches have already pre-recorded their programs or services and put them out there on YouTube uh, for people to see. So, um, someone was saying something about a live interaction through a, an app called Zoom. I don't know, I never heard of it. Well, I, I don't know, I suppose, but normally services for Passover, um, I know the Jewish people are doing it online, and there's a few Catholic churches that are doing it online. There's some Catholic churches that are putting it on YouTube. There's some other churches that, you know, live streaming it with no people. But it got me thinking about today, what if there was no resurrection? What would that mean to us? What would, what would be people's be celebrating. They wouldn't be celebrating anything. Right. They wouldn't be honoring the Lord for anything. They wouldn't be... Right, we would be most miserable. They wouldn't be... That's what the scripture says. We would be most miserable because there would be no hope. There would be no point to the suffering because we, were, we wouldn't have the opportunity to be looking for a greater rest. And then I'm thinking about all that preaching that the apostles did. That would be, or anybody, anybody, it would be in vain. It would be in vain. There would be, I mean, nobody would have a reason to listen to anything. Because there would we wouldn't be, have a hope. Without the Lord being the firstborn from the dead. There would be no faith. Right. There would be no hope for us. There would be no reconciliation between us and the Lord. There would be no one to cover our sins. There would be no one to uh, forgive our sins, like Paul said. We, he said, what would be the point? We'd be suffering... Basically for nothing. There would be no deliverance of sin. You know, so so those that are in sin and those that are suffering so bad from right, different things, whether it's an illness or financial thing or or whatever sin that they're in, there would be no hope for them. There would be just it would be just we, that would be it. We, people would be under the law and they would be miserable because the law itself was still a foreshadow of that which was to come, which would mean that the Messiah was supposed to come and become the perfect sacrifice and that we would have a mediator. And without without Christ raising uh, uh, himself from the dead, without the Lord rising again. Aside from that, there would be nobody, back 2,000 years ago, there would be nobody to crucify. I mean, I mean they would never crucified him because they, they felt could've... like he was no threat. Well, no, he could he, he it felt like he was a threat. He he chose to be crucified. See, say so would say back in 2000, if he had changed his mind, if he had decided, not worth it, we're not going to do it. Because he said, I can call a legion of angels right now, and, you know, and that would be nothing for me. He, he chose to obey, even unto death. Yeah, and I was reading from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 through 19. He's talking about no resurrection. He said, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. 
Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? That's interesting. There are the sinners, uh, the, the death would win. Satan would win. Right. There would be no saints here to, you know, to tell you about the salvation of the Lord, about the hope in the Lord. Right. Everybody would be talking, would be just lying. <laughs> exactly. You have a world that was filled with, with lies, uh, deceit, failure. Because it would mean that nobody would ever have the, they would never have it within them to follow through. So if Jesus didn't follow through, then no one else would have that type of a mindset to follow through. I don't even know. Would there be churches? Do you think false churches? <laughs> I was asked. I mean, what could anybody tell anybody? To tell lies, tell them you know those things. And then at that, I suppose people would believe. Lies. We like to do now, but we would be stuck under the law without, uh, and there would be no, there would be, we would just be under the law, and that would make, that would make all the previous prophecies lies because we prophesied that we were going to have a Messiah and that His spirit was going to fall upon us, and that I, that I, a young uh, man and I was going to prophesy, you know. So people wouldn't be able to be healed. Yeah. I mean, by his stripes we are healed, but he went by the fact that he rose from the dead, he sealed it. Right. He sealed it. You know, like a king would have a a ring and dip it in wax and seal a letter. Because everything that was done under the law was done with the hope that Christ would come and fulfill all things. Yeah, and it said, if Christ be not risen, our faith will be in vain. We will be yet in our sin. Those that have gone on and fallen asleep in Christ, they would be perished. Then it went on and said, if we all we had in this life, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are men of most miracles. Right, because there's no... Where is that scripture from? That's this all in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 through 19. Right, because without that hope, it's like you... You're suffering, but you're suffering in vain because we're suffering for the name of the Lord. We're suffering for righteousness' sake. We're suffering with the hope for a better rest, to be at peace and and just think if He had refused to do that, we would have no peace. Well, I we'd be afraid to die. <laughs> I don't know. You think? Right. I they know. said, "I can lay down." And sleep, and he wasn't just talking about a natural sleep. He was saying, when I leave here, when they put me in the grave, I can sleep in peace, knowing that he has a hope for a better rest. Yeah, even Paul, when he said, I know I fought the good fight of faith. Right. He know he did all he He said, you can take me now. Right, because he's been prophesied. Even Job said, in my flesh, I will see him. So there's this hope of a resurrection out there. It's like, what do you expect to happen? You don't know, but you know whatever it is, does it? <laughs> so, you know, I thank God for the resurrection. I thank God for what Jesus did for us, for each and every one of us, whether we're saved or not saved. Mm -hmm. You know, because everybody has a chance, and not everybody takes a chance, but he's patient and he waits for them.
to take that opportunity that's presented to them. And I'm sure that the very first resurrection, the very first day that he rose from the dead was a lot different than what it is right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think it's like a joyous, I mean, it was a frightening uh, time for them. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know. I believe that, you know, look at Mary Magdalene, look at the disciples, look at everybody. They were, um, they were just dismayed. They, they just didn't know what to think. You know, they go to the grave, they go to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, the body is gone, and they just don't know what to think. That, that was no joyous at that very moment. That was no joyous time, I don't think, because they had trouble understanding everything, I think. See, well, yeah, they were thinking that somebody came and stole his body, they were thinking that it was somebody uh, doing something that was political, something that was, Which is, that was detrimental. You know, what we think now, you mm -hmm. know, when something happens, oh, that that's just those politicians, right. you know, that's just the government trying to take over. Right. Um, I'm sure that um, they still felt like they had to hide because they were in fear mm -hmm. for their lives. They, it's not, even after he showed himself right. to certain people, he showed himself to Mary Magdalene, who thought that he was a gardener. Right. <laughs> she yes. just, she didn't, she just didn't. We thought this, it was something that was miraculous and had to prophesy, but it was a secret, it was a mystery until the Lord revealed it. And then, and then they were in hiding because they didn't want to go through what Jesus went through. They didn't want to be beaten. They didn't want to be crucified. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to be crucified either. Humiliated, crucified. Because they hadn't yet received power. Right. So, so they were still thinking as people would think when they're under the law. But he kept appearing to eyewitnesses. He kept showing up. He kept showing up, even to uh, Thomas, who didn't believe. I'm not going to believe unless I see his hands. Right. I'm not going to believe. And and I'm sure he didn't believe very. He didn't believe that way for very long. No, when he touched the wound. Right. But you know, what's amazing to me is that how many, maybe a couple weeks. He maybe it was only a couple weeks since the Lord rose from the dead. And people were telling Thomas that Jesus is alive. We've seen him. We, no, I'm not going to believe. No, I'm not. And just that short span of time defined him as de Doubting Thomas. That's what people said, but Doubting Thomas didn't doubt to the very end. He no, did, I mean... He did better than a lot of people. Some people touch the, the, the wounds and still won't believe. Yeah, some people, were, were, they're still going to reject him. Yeah, but I found that interesting because it, it doesn't have, it, what they remember is not what he did in the end. They remember that short span of time, that maybe two-week period before he saw the wounds in his hands. And that defined his whole life. 2,000 years later, we're calling him Doubting Thomas. That's all Doubting Thomas. A lot of people I do, though. Many people do. Yeah, but they, but they, they concentrate on those negative things, because the Lord said, he said, because the Lord told him, you know, once you touch, you believe. And so the Lord was saying, well, at least you believe, because you touched me. He said, but the person who hasn't touched me, talking about people coming who have down the pike like us, he said, it's, their Lord is more blessed for them, because we don't have the opportunity to have him 
uh, come with us so we see in with person. The eye. Yeah. yeah. So he said, so if you had this opportunity, he said, but it would be more blessed if the person just really cost God sex so we believe cost the Lord sex. You know the most touching appearance that the Lord made um, to me, and, and that's just to me, the most touching appearance that he made was when he went to the shore and they had been fishing and Peter was just so distraught because he remembered right, denying the Lord. And he just, he was beside himself. And that's a, that to me is an example of no hope. Right. You know, there's death. He's in the, he's in the tomb. And what happened? And what did he do? After all this time he spent with the Lord, he denied him. So he's on the boat, and he's just distraught. He's not even wearing any clothes. He's, right. he's just got, he, he doesn't, he didn't care. care. Right, I think he just gave up. And, and that's how we are sometimes when we go through our tests and our trials. We just are at the verge of giving up. We feel like there's no hope. But the most touching part is when the Lord showed up at the at the shore. And you know, when I think about what he did and I think about what the Lord did after that, it just it, it can bring tears to your eyes because somebody told him, Hey Peter, that's that's Jesus out at the shore. And and Peter looked, he turned around and he looked and I can't even imagine. His heart probably just jumped right out out of his chest and he threw on his coat and he was just so excited to see Jesus. He didn't wait for the boat to get to the shore. He jumped over the boat and he swam to the shore just to greet Jesus. He was he was just so I, I he was just so relieved to see him. And the fact that Jesus would come after him after what he had done, mm -hmm. after denying the Lord. And, and the Lord just went after him. That, to me, is the most touching. And that's what I remember when people are told about the Lord and they say that there's a better way for you. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to feel like this. You don't have to be like this. God has a way out for you. And, you know, when your eyes are open and you turn to the Lord and you see him coming towards you, you should run. Right. You, you should run to, run to meet him the and I, get saved. Right. The prophet I almost said to was when he asked Peter. He said, uh, Peter, uh, do you love me? Peter said, yes. Yeah, you know? I love you. And then Lord waited and asked him again. And I think and Peter was thinking, I remember how cocky I was and how I said I loved the Lord and how I would die for him. By the time the Lord had asked him about the third time, Peter finally said, Lord, you know, because I think, I'm telling you what I think and what I feel, how I believe like I did before, and I failed you then. He said, so you know whether or not I love you. Now that
my son all the time. I think every day, <laughs> right. several times a day. I don't understand things. I don't understand why I am the way I am, uh, how I can be afflicted sometimes. I don't understand why I'm in a family, that, you know, that I feel doesn't always appreciate me. I don't understand sometimes why I uh, why people just don't care for me. I don't have that kind of personality that people flock to, but Jesus understands, and that's what I say. Lord, I know you understand, and I thank you that you understand all things. I thank you. Mm -hmm. And I'd be afraid if people just flock to me. I don't know. But, you know, I think being, what, whatever it is that you celebrate, whether it's Passover, whether it's Easter, whether it's Resurrection Sunday, or whatever it is that you call it, whatever the celebration, you should make the most out of it. You should sit down and maybe read the Passion of Christ and read the Bible about what he did for you and how he took on the stripes and the, and the beatings and the... And, uh, the humiliation and uh, the crucifixion and then knowing that there's hope because he rose from the dead and all we have to do is humble ourselves before the Lord. It doesn't matter what you have done. I don't care what it is. I don't care. You know, some people have done things where they think it's the worst possible thing that they have done. Some people uh commit murder and and other people don't commit murder but they feel like what they have done is probably equal to that some people I don't know yeah, they feel like they, you know and, and Satan is and not necessarily Satan can blame for everything but sometimes it's just the way people reason they reason, reason carnally they've done so much they feel like they've done too much for the Lord to forgive them to me that's false humiliation because there is nothing when you humble yourself before God that he can't forgive you for. Now, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you have done so much that the Lord can't forgive you. There is nothing. nothing. But, you, but that's true. I mean, people do feel, and, and I don't think it's all false humility. I think there are people that do feel like they've done a lot. Well, that's good, good. No, I'm not saying that they haven't done a lot. I know they've done a lot. But to deceive themselves into saying that they've done so much that God Himself Oh no, cannot that's why you go to Him because be forgiven. In I said, no, that's spite of what you have done right. all of your life, I mean, sometimes you can sit and think from the time you were very young until the time you're old, and all the things that you have done. If you had, if, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty vision. If you had known, you wouldn't have done it. You would have done that. I've done something else. I'm thinking too, like. You can be forgiven for any, even anything. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. The only time you can't be forgiven is when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Right. Then you don't have no hope. And that is regarding God's Holy Spirit as being something that is uh, not worthy of acceptance. It's not you when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. You're saying that the Holy Spirit can't save you because the Holy Spirit is not. It's like you call it as being unworthy. So the very, the very power of deliverance that you need to save you, you keep denying it. Right, and it's not uh, about Easter eggs or chocolate bunnies no, or Easter like, basket or, well, those are fun things and, you know. But that's the 
because that, that is, has to do with idol worship. That has nothing to do with what God has done for you. Right. Um, because we're not celebrating the goddess of fertility. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus died. He suffered, he died, and he rose again. Isn't that something? Yes. To me, that's something. And because he lived, we can live. Right. We can face tomorrow. I'm telling you, because sometimes those tomorrows are hard to face. Yeah. You know, sometimes those tomorrows are very hard to face. You just don't know which way to turn. I know that's how I think that's how Peter felt that tomorrow, those tomorrows that he was facing without the Lord, was almost impossible. He probably just went through all the motions of fishing, drawing yeah. up the nets, doing didn't give a hoot about right. what people and thought he or over how over he looked. In his mind. I know, because some Mighty of the things that we do play over and over in our minds like a broken record. Right. Instead of the word playing in our heads like a broken record, it's what we have done. So I'm going to end this program just thanking God for his resurrection. Thanking God. And I'm asking everyone to just humble themselves. Try Jesus. Just try him. You know, well, what have you got to lose? Nothing. There's absolutely nothing you have yes, to you lose. Have everything to gain. And you, you have eternal life to gain. Right. I, you know, and that's far greater than gaining um, kudos from people right. and fame. Fortune. Yes. And that concludes our program. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. We thank God for the hope that we have in him through his risen resurrection. The verse of the day comes from John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now ain't God all right? God, God is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, how many sons did Noah have, and what were their names? And the answer is, he had three sons, and their names were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that answer can be found in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 to 19, which reads, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. And these are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. This week's food for thought is, after Jesus was crucified and buried, who do you think rolled the stone away, and what did he do after the stone was rolled away? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.